Hey, we're going to continue in our study in the book of Colossians. Today I've been enjoying Colossians, but Colossians is also, in some respects, kind of a challenging book to go through because it's kind of, I'm glad that we've done other books before that are a lot more open about their grace because while Colossians is a book about grace, it also just kind of lays down some different things about being a Christian. And if you just read Colossians and you don't understand grace, you're going to feel like you're really tearing yourself apart. But we've learned as we've gone through the book of Colossians over the last few weeks that from death to new life in Christ we are saved and we are called heirs of God. If you are saved, you are an heir. You are a recipient of his kingdom. You are invited into his kingdom to be a part of his kingdom once you receive new life in Christ. And as we start that new life with, in Christ, this lifelong process of refinement takes place as we come, become more and more Christ-like. This process that we go through, this chain, ever, never-ending, never-complete change that we go through, is what you know a Bible scholar or a, a pastor would say is called sanctification. And it's how we are filtered, and it's how our sinfulness is taken away, and we're made more like Christ. And you know, as I was looking at the passage that we're going to read here in a moment this morning, it made me think a lot about how I could apply it, like what could I use in life that I could show and apply to you guys what the sanctification process or the Christian life looks like in a real life situation. And so it brought to mind right away what I do at, for a secular job, the job that I, that I do to put the food on the table, and that's being a Trona miner. Have any of you guys really ever heard of Trona in here? Have you heard of it before me? John's got a picture of, of a piece of Trona right here. He's going to pop it up here. Go ahead and start the slideshow, John, so that we can have it all full. If you just go and hit from the beginning all the way on the left. One more, one more over. Yeah, right there. There we go. That is a piece of Trona. That little round thing, that's a penny. I don't know why they have that on it. It's just a picture I got off the internet. But it's like a shiny, milky yellow or root beer brown kind of crystalline stuff. That's actually really pretty. And uh, I work in a trona mine, and this stuff is like 12 foot thick. And so we mine it out with a big, huge mining machine, this trona. Go to the next slide, John. With this machine right there. This is a big machine. That's a dude. He's sitting on That machine weighs about 100 tons. It's really big. We have to lower that thing down in the mine, and then it just chews that stuff up, and then they ship it out of the mine to turn it into what's called soda ash. Now, you can, oh, hold on that slide for a minute. You can leave it there, though, John. That's fine. Um, Trona, it's sent to the, to the surface to be refined into a, into a product called soda ash, which is a fine granular powder. It's similar to baking soda, actually. They make baking soda from soda ash. Um, and it's much like what happens to the loss, this process of going from being trona to being soda ash. It's a refining process. And he allows circumstances, right? I guess the first process in trona is that it has to be mined and chewed up into little bits, made into a granular form to turn into this. And that reminds me of the human heart. Because the human heart, for somebody to receive Christ and to hear the message and accept that message, your heart has to be softened, doesn't it? 
Because a hard heart, a worldly heart, a heart full of sin can sometimes be hard to penetrate by the Lord, right? So he takes situations, he takes circumstances, he takes people pouring into people, loving people, handing out free popcorn to people, doing things to put value into people to soften them a little bit, to let them see some love so that he can go in there and he can plant his seed and transformation can take place, right? So as we go through this passage in Colossians today, I want it to go along with this process of taking Trona and turning it into soda ash and explore them together so that we understand it a little better. So I want you guys to grab your Bibles. I want you to open up to the book of Colossians. And I want you to go to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. And I have this thing. I just have to hold my Bible when I read out of it up here. I don't know why. It's just a weird Zach thing. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. And we read, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Heavenly Father, we just love you. We thank you this morning today for your... Um, for your salvation. We thank you for your word that has been preserved. We thank you that uh, it is still applicable in our lives today. Let us apply it to our hearts and help it to make us more, more like you and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Colossians 3, 5, verses 7 is about the refining process of the human heart, the new life in Christ, the refining process. And so i got to ask you guys first this morning, why is it important for us as Christians to be refined? It's because, like we learned last week, we have been raised with Christ. We are a part of Him now. We're supposed to be kingdom-minded in our new life. And to be more kingdom-minded in our new life, we have to replace things that don't belong in the kingdom's heart with things that do. It's because you are crucified with Christ to the world. The worldly ways of your past don't belong in you anymore, and you should have more Christ-like ways inside of you now. Galatians 2.20 says that you have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the first process in the Trona mining world, I'm going to go back and forth to keep you guys stirred up here. The first process in the Trona refining world is to take this Trona, like I said, you crush it up so that it can start its process of turning the soda ash, is to burn it, is to burn it. Trona, its chemical name is sodium sesquicarbonate. <laughs> you can say that, right? Sodium sesquicarbonate. So they burn it. They burn it in a really hot calciner. It rotates and they burn this stuff and it, it has a smell to it. You guys ever want to smell what burning trona smells like? I'll bring you my work clothes. Even after I washed it because it just stinks. All right? It's got a weird smell to it. If you're not used to it, it messes with you. But they burn it and it, re, it releases unwanted gas elements and becomes soda ash at that point. Once it's burned, it's soda ash and it becomes sodium carbonate. So it was sodium sesquicarbonate. And now it's sodium carbonate because it's released of 
CO2 and some different things that it doesn't, doesn't need to have in it to be sodash. And salvation by Christ happens much the same way when you accept and acknowledge Christ as you go through this salvation. But it's not a long process to be saved. We all know that being saved by Christ is believe, admit that you're a sinner, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he'll raise you up and he will save you at that point. It's an immediate thing. So you get burned almost. And a radical transformation takes place inside of you. Just like Trona, it gets burned and this transformation takes place and it becomes so dash. So inside of you when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are transformed. You're no longer dead to him. You're now dead to the world and you are a different person. You are a new life. You are a new being in Christ Jesus. It is so neat. At salvation, God forgives our past sins. He destroys any record of them. You guys realize that? Like, Trona, once it's burned and it becomes sodium carbonate, it'd be hard to make it Trona again because those gases are released. There's no record that they were attached to the other parts. They're gone. God has no recollection of your past sins at your point of salvation. He wipes it clean. He had a file cabinet that was huge, full of the the, the uh, judgments against you that were going to happen to you on Judgment Day, and he picks them up, and he throws them out the door, and they don't belong inside your life anymore, and he doesn't recall them. Slate wipes clean. All right? Are you guys with me this morning? It's awful quiet. All right? He writes your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're randomly transformed into a child of God. I'm spitting. I'm so excited. All right? You are saved at that point. But however... God has some other things that he wants to do inside of you at salvation so that he can work through you, so that his glory can be made through you, so that others can be reached for him and they can enter his kingdom. He has things he wants to do to you even though you're saved. Yes, salvation, once you get saved, if you were to like get in a car wreck on the way home from a Billy, Billy Graham evangelical section where you got saved and you got in a car wreck and you died at that point, you're going to heaven. But if you continue to live, he wants to disciple you. He wants to see you grow in your faith. He wants you to get rid of things that don't belong so that the things that do belong have a place. All right? Oh, that, that was good. I hope you guys are listening to that. Okay, so he takes us through a refining process. It's called sanctification, right? He removes the unwanted and the undesirable parts. He sanctifies us. He rids us of our worldly ways. And what I think is interesting here is he starts, Paul starts in this passage with the one that cuts right down to one of the big problems that we have as human beings, and that's immoral sexual behavior. And I'm kind of glad the kids are downstairs this morning because we're going to hit that a little bit, all right? I kind of am because it's kind of weird to see little kids down there and we're like talking about some of these things like, mm, I don't know how the parents feel about it. But, Immoral sexual behavior. Why does he hit that one so quick? Because it's such an easy tool for Satan to use to destroy a Christian, to lessen their integrity, to tear them apart and even steal their salvation away from them. He can use sex. All right? So Paul goes straight to the sexual sin as a specific part of our, of our sanctification process. Let's just hit a couple of those really quick. What is sexual sin? Sexual sin, let's talk about some of the different ones. Premarital sex, right? I wish we had some teenagers this morning to reinforce this in them. I got one. Anyways, Elijah's not here. Basha isn't here. But that's all right. 
sex outside of the marriage covenant that God established in Genesis 4. There is no possible way to please God in a premarital sexual relationship. Can we just say that? Very easy, right? Extramarital sex. Sex should only be between a man and the woman for which he's married to. Very easy, very straightforward, right? You cannot be having an affair and be pleasing God in that situation. You just can't. You can't. Homosexuality. Uh-oh. Right? I think I know where a lot of you guys stand on this, but let's just get it again, right? God only ordains sex between a married man and a married woman who are married together. Right? And homosexuality in no way can glorify God. It's a gross abuse of our bodies. Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're aside from the world, right? We are kingdom children now. And so we look in our society today and we see what our society today thinks of sex. And they think all of the above is fine, right? It's okay. It's a-okay. There are churches in the United States today that are saying homosexuality, a-okay. A-not-okay. No. A not okay. Do I hate homosexual people? Absolutely not. I don't hate them. I love them still. I work with a homosexual person. I don't accept that practice, but I also know that they are the fallenness of man and that what they're doing is their fallenness. Someday, hopefully, I reach that person and they can be sanctified. And they can get rid of that. He uses sex in such a strong way, the enemy does, to destroy us. How about this one, pornography? Uh-oh, do I got some people wiggling in their seats? I don't know. This is a stat that I read. It comes from Focus on the Family. 64% of Christian men, that is Christian men in the chair, Christian men in the pulpit, 64%, one in three, and 15% of Christian women say they watch porn at least once a month. So I knew guys were more than women, you know, but can you believe that? Three in 20 women in church once a month. One in three, or two, two in three men. Two in three men, right? Viewing pornographic stuff is sinful. It drags a person away from a God-ordained sexual relationship with their spouse. Pornography usage corrupts the idea of what a healthy sexual relationship should look like. They do some nasty things. And then your expectation changes. You know? So we attack that one first. And so I just want to beat that one into you guys a little bit because Paul's beating it into us right here in Colossians. Immoral sexual behavior needs to be filtered from our life, needs to be removed from our life. We have to understand that premarital sex has no place in our life. We have to understand that sex outside of marriage has no place in our lives, that extramarital sex has no place in our lives, that homosexuality is wrong, and we shouldn't be looking at yuck, all right? I'm sorry, yuck, right? 
And then he goes into impurity, all right? Contaminants. Now, sexual sin is a contaminant, but then he just goes into the generalization. Impurity that needs to be removed from our lives. Contaminants, all right? After Trona is burned, and it is is turned and transformed into soda ash, it's still not a product that the consumer wants to buy because it is full of contaminants, just like us. We're saved, but there's things that need to be filtered out. There's things that need to be cleansed from us. It's a lifelong process. Things can be brought back in. But sanctification is a filtration process where he tries to remove the things of the world that are dragging us down and replace them with kingdom-minded things that make us more like him and draw them closer to him. So after it's burned, it's dissolved into in hot water into a highly concentrated solution called soda liquor. It's nasty. It's like a super salty, nasty liquid. If you spill it like on the ground, it like puffy. You guys ever been out like in the alkali stuff out here, the flats? It's like that times 100. It's just like, it's gross, all right? It's nasty. Solution is called soda liquor. This solution is run through different filtration process, settling actual filters, because there's things in there that are insoluble. Because as you're mining, there's other little bits of rock and stuff that we get, that, like shale and, and other rock and stuff like that that needs to get out that's been ground up and they're put into fine particles. So if you let them settle to the bottom and you go through the filtration process, then you get this stuff they call, call uh, paste. Paste is basically almost like shale clay, mud slip, nasty, and then they pump it off into a tailing pond. But it has to get removed out. And in so, much the same way, once a person gets saved in Christ, a work of filtration must take place that removes the unwanted things in a person's life. John, will you hit the next slide? I just want to show you guys. And I want to tell you guys that mining machine, that was actually out of the mine I work in. And this is the actual, oh, go ahead, John. And then that is the refinery that uh, is above the mine I work in. So I don't work in the refinery, but I work for that company. That's the refinery process right there. He wants to remove those contaminants, those worldly ways from us, the actions that are a contaminant in our new identity in Christ, the things that don't belong. God calls us to not be of this world, but to be kingdom-minded. He wants to remove from us the evil desires, the longings that stem from the flesh, from our sin nature. 1 John 2.16 says, says it this way, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. He wants those things taken from us. He wants us to get those contaminants, those worldly ways away from us. The covetousness, right? Wanting what other people have materially, right? Like, I want that amount of money. If I could only be rich like that person, then I'm going to be happy. If I could only get a new F-450 King Ranch with that Bradford-built flatbed so I could pull my brand-new Logan Coach bunkhouse fancy deluxe super livestock trailer that has the electronic hay-loading mechanism to put the hay on the top, I will be happy, and I will have my fancy horses inside. Right? Right? That'll make me happy. If only I could trade in my five-year-old four-wheeler and get that new Can-Am Commander and put it in my 40-foot toy hauler that looks like it belongs behind a semi. I'll be happy. 
right? We look for those things that make us happy, right? If only my 65-inch TV was a little bit bigger, like Bob, where I went to watch the Super Bowl last year, his is 80. I'll be happy. Oh, he has 4K. I, don't, I only have like 1080p. He has 4K. To be honest with you guys, on the TV thing, they're so clear anymore, they make me sick. Like physically sick. Like life is not that clear. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you guys are like gone to Walmart or gone to Best Buy and looked at some TVs and just like get busy, I don't know, maybe you guys have fancy TVs where I'm like, whoa. You know what I mean? Or like I have earbuds, you know, that I use at home a lot and they're, they're like to listen to stuff, but the kids distract me sometimes. So we went to Best Buy and I put on a pair of those noise canceling headphones. Any of you guys got noise canceling headsets? I put them on, like listening to some different music and like trying some different ones out. Thought, okay, maybe, maybe I'll pamper myself, you know, because they're like a hundred dollars. Maybe I'll get these noise canceling headgear. I started to feel sick, like, ooh, like, did I eat something at In and Out Burger that I shouldn't have? Because I do not feel good right now. And I told Kim that it's like, huh? So I got on the internet and was looking at it. Noise canceling headsets can make some people nauseous. Because they have a, they have a, they make a frequency that is opposed to the sound outside the headphones to help cancel out the sound. So I was like, yeah, I better not get those because they're gonna make me sick. I'm sorry, that was that was me down down on a bird chain. But you know what I mean? Like, we look and chase after in a covetous way, man. If only I had that, or if only I had this, or if only I was capable of that, that would make me happy. That would make me happy. Well, greed. Idolizing. He wants more for us than that, doesn't he? He wants us to remove that stuff because what he wants for us is to realize that after the impurities are gone, after that kind of attitude is gone, after that lust is gone, after that sexual immorality is gone, those things are filtered out of us. Then we will understand what he wants for us, which is just to be kingdom-minded, to be his children, to do his work here on earth. I mean, it's like this. Once it goes through a filtration process, it's a pro it's a product now. It has to get dried out too and turned back into granular form. I've got all that part, but it becomes a product that is usable, right? This stuff? No, they 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 dry it out and they, they turn it into a granular powder, and uh, just like that, and that is the product that people want to buy. When we get the impurities out, and as we live our life continually being more and more sanctified day by day by day by day, and it never you never reach a perfect perfection, of course, but we become more and more usable because those worldly things are removed, and we become more and more kingdom-minded and focused. Can you imagine if we just would sit back and let Him do that? If we took the time to become ready for Christ, if we took the time to be ready to serve Him, Right? You know, He wants to do work in our lives, and at the end of our lives, we will be present with Christ. And when Christ returns to earth, we will be with Him. And it's important that we take the time to make ourselves ready to be in His presence. Absolutely important. We should strive to remove the things in our lives that are unclean. And when we do that, and we work on that process, He knows we're going to fall. He knows we're going to fall. Man, I... I know a lot of people that have gone, man, they get radical transformation, burned in the calciner like Katrona, and they are saved. And they're like 
they go through such a fast change and they go through this amazing change and they're hungry for the Lord. They're excited about being a Christian. And then the worldly things that got filtered in, they come back in a little bit. You know what I mean? They start to creep back in. Those old ways start to come back in. You know, maybe they got rid of some addictions and, and those addictions creep their way back in. They come back in and they start to spoil what God had given to them and they take over. He realizes we're going to fall. And he's such a gracious and faithful father that he realizes that. And it's not like he's like, oh, reject, let's just start over with a different person. He will be so loving towards you. He will be so gracious to you that instead of letting you just collapse and fall apart at that point, he will bring you back. Because he is ever calling to you. He is ever reaching out to you that, hey, I still love you. I still want you. You are still my son. You are still my daughter. You still belong to me. I know that you've just kind of strayed off the path for a while, but come back. Come back to me. Come back into my fold and continue what you are doing. I didn't like completely slip away in this circumstance, but when I was, um, me and Kim were like first married and stuff, we just kind of felt a calling to ministry work in our life. And um, so I, you know, started seminary study and all that kind of stuff. We started doing youth ministry stuff, um, for which I'm totally not capable of anymore. But um, we started doing this youth ministry stuff, and we were doing good, and then the church kind of had like some strife in it, and there was a church split. You know, you guys do realize that there's no such thing as a perfect church until Christ returns, right? We're, we still got the human nature inside of us, but they split, and me and Kim just kind of like got burned out on church, and we slipped away from it. And uh, I was just like, I am not doing ministry. That is not my thing. All right, now you guys know that that's not what happened because I'm standing here right now. But we had a church service, and there was an altar call, and the pastor called me, called out to everybody and said, hey, you know, while people up here praying, he goes, there is somebody inside my church this morning that started a work for me that has put it aside that needs to get up and get going again. And I'm like, you ever had the Holy Ghost thing? Have you ever had that? The Holy Ghost? <laughs> like, Ugh! And I was like, I felt that. I'm like, no, I'm not going up. I'm not going up. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. He's like, the person that needs to come up and get prayed for that so that they can start continuing their ministry stuff is being a little hesitant this morning. And he did not know my past history very well. you got to understand that. So it's not like he's like, I want to mess with Zach today. No, he just was like, it was a Holy Spirit thing. He's like, so we're just going to wait. We're going to wait quiet for a little while. They're praying for people. they got like the lady playing the piano. It's like dude with the guitar. And I'm like, really? i got to do this? So I go up and like they pray for me, da 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 da, and I'm like, God, you better throw this one in my lap. I'm stepping away because I'm tired. And He did. But what I'm trying to say there is, when God is like working in us and He's sanctifying us and He's calling us into something special and He's wanting us to do His work and become more like Him and get the contaminants out of our lives, and we fall away from that for a little while because we're gonna do it. He's still there. With his gentle voice, his loving voice, giving the lead, come back, come back, come back, let's continue. Yeah, okay, we made some doo-doo, all right? But we can clean that up, and let's continue on, right? i got to cover this order of service, or I'm going to start preaching the order of service. You guys would like that, right? Okay, all right? It's the sanctification, this filtration, this refining process, 
It's lifelong and it's slow. But he says in Luke chapter 9.23, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And what I'm trying to say to you guys, that I know many of you in here have said, man, I'm denying myself. I'm picking up my cross. But maybe in our lives we've had moments or we're going through moments where, man, we've just kind of like set our cross down for a little bit because it felt easier to not pick up the cross and we'll just like do our own thing. But he wants you. He needs you. He wants to work in you. And he wants to finish a work in you that was started. And he loves you and he's gracious and compassionate about it. Let's stand and let's